Welcome to Save It for the Podcast. I'm your host, Pat Cusick, alongside my co-host, John Doyle. How's it going, everyone? And Mark Cacuzzo. Hello to all of our fellow, oh, to, oh Jesus, to my fellow podcast hosts and to all of our followers out there. Sorry, it's been two weeks. I am off. <laughs> Anyways, great to be yep. back. <laughs> yes, you are off. Uh, it is good to be back. A little sabbatical. Summer's a little bit of a weird time. Um, you know, we had some people out of town, yada, yada, yada. But we'll get back in the flow of things here. Um, we got a lot to cover. Some of it good, some of it not so great. Uh, how's everybody doing? Are we ready to rock? Doing really good. Yeah, good to be back. Uh, Pat, in terms of sports, what, what what is there that's good right now? There's nothing. Yeah, you're right. There's not a lot of good. There's not. <laughs> this is the worst season for sports by a country mile. Nothing is. There's nothing else even remotely as bad as this. This is the ultimate doldrums. This is when you go to the movie theater more often. You seek out some new TV shows. Start to expand your cultural horizons because you are sports free for a while. Yeah, big time. You don't need to be penciling yourself into the Red Sox uh, every single night for a while. That's it. And if you are, God help you. I feel like that's a shot at me, but I'll take it. <laughs> a little bit. Um, but and the many other sycophants out there who can watch 162 baseball games. Uh, let's get into the worst of the worst, which is the Celtics are obviously – they've been eliminated. Um they lost game seven in what I would ex- describe as somewhat humiliating fashion. Um, we we didn't get a chance to get in right after that game ended, but we'd done a, an episode leading up to it, and we felt like there was a good chance Celtics would come back and be right in the thing. We felt like if they could get it to game seven, they'd win that game. Is it safe to say that was probably the most unexpected ending or what did, what did, how were you guys feeling going into game seven? How are you feeling afterwards? You know, what, what, what shakes out from the end of that series? It, I, uh, I, I think that uh, it's easy to say this now because some time has passed, but I don't think it was all that unexpected given the circumstances of the series. I, I know a few of us that are huge Celtics fans had said, man, you know, get to game seven and then we'll see. I think, I think we, we spoke on the show about saying we think we should still be able to make it a series. Mm. And then an extension of that is assuming they win game seven at home. But I will say going into the game, I was, I was very, I was very nervous because it felt like the first game that the pressure was back on this group. And I had been so focused as a fan of wondering if they could win game five, game six, when they got to game seven, I thought, oh, no, this is the kind of game that they have showed that they are not ready for the moment in the past. So unexpected, uh, obviously, to some degree, yeah. Uh, But also, if you look at the DNA of this team, a lot of people that have written about them will say that that's the kind of game that they have sort of folded in. So I don't know. I I guess that's the way that cookie crumbles for these guys right now. John, that was very well said. Game seven was... Where it was the first game back where they had pressure back on them. I, I didn't even think of it. I Subconsciously, I was thinking about that. Where going into the game, I did not feel confident about it. Where I, I felt relatively confident going to game six because the Celtics seem to play well when they have house money or when they have seems to have no support for them. But no, this was not surprising at all that this team laid an absolute egg 
in a game seven where it's in Boston. You think it has all the makings of an epic domination, dominating performance, but um, they just laid, they just couldn't hit water if they fell off a boat. It was just they just, they just lost in the typical way that this this current um, team loses games. So here's just where I would disagree with you guys slightly. I do get what you mean. I do think this has been a team that's blown games they should win a lot. But they've been an incredibly good Game 7 team when they've been together. They, they've they won so many Game 7s together. They've beaten the Bucks in Game 7, the Sixers in Game 7, the Heat last year in Game 7. They have consistently showed up and played well in Game 7s, uh, especially against teams on the road, at home, against teams that were favored, against teams they were the favorite. You know, they, they've done kind of the whole gamut in Game 7s, um, really from one – Tatum came into the into the team, so I was putting that luck run out. Like, doesn't that like? I don't know. Keep... I don't. I think if, if it was like two games or something, maybe it's luck. But I mean, like Jalen Brown was like five and one in Game Sevens coming in this. Tatum was four and one or so. I don't. I don't. I don't necessarily view that as luck. I, I think that's just kind of the metal of a team. I think this was surprising to me in the sense of I wouldn't have been totally shocked if they lost, but to not show up at all, I found to be. Um, I found that to be surprising because it doesn't match the pattern we've seen, you know, in the, in the most recent game sevens they played, I thought that they were, they showed a lot killing the box last year, beating the heat in a tough game, blitzing the Sixers. It just, this was um, to me unexpected. I think that to, to go out that way. I, I, I hear you. I just think that if you want to live on the edge like that time in and time out, what what's what was not surprising to me is that you're going you're going to show up your as a worse version of yourself eventually in one of those spots. And the lesson that I take away from it is that as you mature as a group, you have to you have to beat the 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 worst teams. You have to close out teams early. You have to stop. You have to avoid Game Seven. This year they should have avoided Game Seven against Philly. They were way better than that team. They should they they need to stomp teams out and get to less do or die games. Yeah, I don't think there's any question that um this team unfortunately waits till they're pushed into a corner to fight back as much as they should. And there's no doubt that, that leaves you open for losing a series that a lot of people thought you should have won. I think it's difficult I don't know, I think I think the Heat were certainly better than I thought they were, and they played significantly above their heads. I, I uh, we've got to give them some credit. You know, it, it feels um, my natural inclination is to sort of be like the Celts really blew that, et cetera, et cetera. But I will give the Heat a lot of credit. Their guys, particularly the role players, played incredibly well versus the Celtics' inability to get those same kind of performances, at least in, you know, crunch time in the games that mattered the most. I think you look at Caleb Martin or Duncan Robinson or Max Struess or whoever you want to talk about. Gabe Vincent. Yeah, Gabe Vincent. They seem to get, you know, the timely tip balls, timely steals, timely three, uh, offensive rebound. Celtics were just a day late and a dollar short on all of those things, and it leaves us – with some big questions, right? I mean, how how are you guys feeling heading into the offseason? Is it you want to see some small tweaks? Is it you want to see some large change? I mean, what is it that kind of comes top of mind? Because I will say before before you go, it's, 
there isn't necessarily a massive amount of roster flexibility here. Uh, certainly trading Jalen Brown would be, we'll, we'll, talk, we'll talk about that, would be the one thing you could do to make some large-scale changes. But otherwise, there's not a lot of money movement that they can do or pieces they have or even their own picks they have available to make a lot of trades. So what are you guys thinking heading into the offseason? I, I would be, Pat, I would be a proponent of keeping as much of the core together as possible. I think that uh, great teams that end up winning championships often make a few tweaks uh, along the way during a season. But as we've touched on previously in, in episodes, when we talked about uh, Missoula struggling in the playoffs, the, 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 the chips that this core have that not, that not a lot of other teams and groups of guys have had in the past is they've gotten to the finals and the Eastern Conference Finals with multiple head coaches. It's not the core. It's not the player's fault. You can say that they need to grow up a little bit, mature a little bit, and there's probably some focus stuff that we need to tweak. But that, to me, is a coaching problem. Yeah. And I think that getting Missoula help, like uh, bringing in a guy like Sam Cassell, I know they're looking at bringing in, reshaping the assistant coaching staff, that is priority one for me. Because I think that these guys are I, I think that you see it in NBA history all the time. The best players in the league don't win until they're 26, 27 a lot of the time. It's hard to see that as a fan of, of your hometown team because you feel like you've watched this group forever. Let's remember how young these guys are. Let's remember that they probably haven't reached their ceiling yet. And I want to see them give this core at least one more year to try to figure their, their shit out. Agreed. I've never been more excited for a – uh, hiring of an assistant coach than uh, Sam Cassell. Just because I think, I think symbolically, I think one of the first things we said, uh, even before the Celtics lost Pat then this season, was the first thing that you'd probably, we, we should address is the coaching staff in terms of some veteran leadership to give Joe, like, hey, Joe, maybe we should be calling a timeout here or whatever it is. So I think that, I think they've already got, got the wheels in motion. I think we yeah. lose sight of the fact that, um, they had a really tough start at the beginning of the season. You know, they, they lost their head coach. Um, you know, they got – I mean, not to – you know, they, they got snake bitten. Their, their big free agent signing, Danilo Gallinari, Gallinari blows his knee out. So they were kind of, they started behind the eight ball at the beginning of the season. Um, and although I think they didn't reach their full potential, and so I, I thought this team was finals or bust, um, I think they're doing a good, terms, good job in terms of addressing the coaching staff. And then, yeah, in terms of the players – there's not a ton they can do. I say you lock up Jalen Brown and then see what you can do in terms of getting an actual point guard in here. I, I, I know Chris Paul is probably going to go to the Lakers, but someone like that would be nice. So Yeah, I, th- I think Chris, the Chris Paul stuff will um, – there's no question that is going to crop up a lot. I, I'm of a similar vein of you guys. I'm not saying – I think there are some people who are going to say break up Jalen and, and Tatum and all this and that and – I don't really view that as the solution here. One, because I don't think anybody in both the organization or fan base is eager to take a big step back. And I think trading Jalen Brown would promise that you'd be taking a step back. You're probably not finishing second in the East and being favored to win the title. This was a disappointing loss, but I think the worst organizations and teams when they have one of these decide like that means you got to make a massive change. I think to your point, to both of your points, 
there's some refining we can do. You could look at, hey, is a, is Chris Paul somebody you want to bring in? Can you get good value for a Marcus Smart or a Malcolm Brogdon if you want to move one of the, the existing point guards to kind of shift up some roster imbalance? What is Grant worth? You want to sign and trade Grant, or do you want to bring him back? Can you can we get Grant back to where he was when he made seven three pointers in a game seven against the Bucks? Versus what did he make one against the Heat in this past game? And I directly relate that to the poor use of him all season by Missoula. You know, I, well, isn't that what like Pat? Is uh, sorry to interrupt no, you, but please I made the point before that some of the Missoula, some of Missoula's. Uh, the some of the things that you could really hate on him for his lack of player development. Bringing in a guy like Cassell seems like a direct response to that. Maybe he's someone who takes Grant in and um, figures out a way to get him back into the rotation. Yeah, I've seen, I've heard great things about Sam Cassell work with young players. I think particularly he had a great relationship with Tyrese Maxey, and I, that I think we saw leaps and bounds of improvement from Maxey. I think what the Celtics still need now, I think Cassell's a great start. They've got to find somebody who can help put in a more creative offense. Our offense was too one-dimensional. I'm a huge proponent of shooting a lot of threes. I believe that is the right path forward in the NBA. Math will tell you that's the case. But you also have to be able to do other things when the teams when teams present you a defense that changes the the situation or when you're not making shots. We've seen in this, which we'll talk about later, the, the Heat Nuggets series, the Heat have gone to that zone against the Nuggets a lot, and the Nuggets have used a variety of different offenses to repeatedly break it down. You know, yesterday they were getting Christian Braun, who is not a super talented guy, driving into that zone as they swung the ball quickly, <clears throat> and they produced a ton of great shots around that. Now, it's not as easy for other teams that don't have Nikolai Jokic, but still, the Celtics never really adjusted, and they just and their offense fell apart in a lot of moments. I, I know people have talked about the Celtics lost their defensive identity without Emi, yada, yada, yada. They didn't lose that Miami series because the defense was bad. At least I don't think so. I thought they lost it because they couldn't score the ball enough. Yeah, I think I, I think that the final score of some of those games makes makes folks think that they weren't playing tough defense. The, the truth is Miami hit uh, shots at a clip that they would never hit and are not hitting now. They, when you look at their, their three-point shooting – it was just out of the, off the charts, right? So I don't know if it's entirely on the defensive end. Although I will say, when they the games that we won, we were all over them. Like the like there was they had no chance. They had, like we were just closing out so fast in a couple of those games they couldn't breathe. Yeah, no, I agree. I I think I don't know. It'll be it'll be very interesting to see um to, to see what the next steps are because. It does sort of feel like maybe we need a little bit of a culture jolt for the Celtics, but also we've talked about there's not a lot of roster flexibility. So does that come in the form of these assistant coaches we're bringing in? Does that come in maturation from the guys already on the team? You know, does Tatum or Brown take a more vocal role? Does what what comes um, in that next step to say, hey, I'm not going to let us be the team that gives up a 10-point lead in the third or fourth quarter all the time in these playoff games. What What is next? And also, we've got to start looking a little bit that Al is reaching his expiration date, right? I mean, there's no question Al had a very good season, but he looked pretty tired towards the end of the playoffs, I thought, particularly shooting the three. I would have liked seeing uh, them 
use them a little more sparingly during the regular season, yeah. I suppose. Huh? I mean, yeah. that, that's another one of those second guesses. You can go back and look at an experienced head coach, not understanding that the wheels can come off on a guy like Al. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe give him some diminished minutes uh, this upcoming season. Uh, he's such a unicorn. He's such a, when he's, when he's playing at a hundred percent, he is such a valuable piece for the Celtics. And, um, Obviously, he's getting older. I don't know how you replace him. Um, he's such a unique player. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think that the idea would have been for Grant in some ways to fill it, but he's obviously not as big as Al, and I don't think he's he's going to ever quite be that good. So it, it'll be interesting because Al's such a huge piece of what the Celtics do that he's not somebody you can just – there's not a lot – there's not many people in the world that you can easily replace um, – Al with, but they, I, I don't know. I, I don't feel awful about this team. I do think the last couple of years, we're going to look back and feel like there's some missed opportunity here because we've talked about this in this podcast before. And we thought we even talked about it when the Bruins lost like championship windows don't last forever. Sometimes you make it and then you don't ever get back again. Yeah. And that happens to teams all the time. They think I oh, will be there forever. You know, the, let's see at Seattle Seahawks made what two in a row. You know, they won that one and then lost to the Patriots, and then it was pretty much all done for them out of nowhere. Football is obviously a different animal, but hey, the Bucks won, and now the you know the couple of years in a row they're not even close to getting it. Oh, I know. Seriously, the coach has been fired. It's just there are the Suns made it, and then you know the last couple of years have been different. They had to overhaul the whole team. Their coach is fired. It's things change really fast and really rapidly, particularly in the NBA where. Players get unhappy faster than ever. They they run up with each other. You can't wait around and hope that things are going to be better. I hope the Celtics go into this offseason with a real concrete plan. Um, And they also better be sure Joe Mazzullo is going to be better next year. They said he's coming back, but if he's off to a bad start and the team's not looking great, I hope they seriously consider whether he's the right person for the job or not. I don't like to be histrionic and say, I'm not saying they've got to fire him or anything. I just think now is not the time to spend another year with a coach learning on the job. Yeah. The, the yeah. time is too important for, you know, the players that we have. Pat, the, thing, um, I, the last thing I'll say is I do hope the Celtics do make an honest effort to, to try and get Chris Paul. I don't think he'll realistically come here. Of course you love Chris Paul, though. I, think, That's right? just, I, do think, I just think he can really help our team because we don't have a point guard and we need a pass for his point guard. And I think a number of our issues stem from uh, Marcus Smart's lack of being able to facilitate the ball like a proper point guard can. He's a thousand years old and he's always hurt. Well, so the, that, is, that is the issue. The issue is that, the issue, yes. But, th- therein lies the issue. Two, three playoffs in a row and many of them going back to his career, Chris Paul has been hurt and disappointed in the playoffs. So while I do agree in the idea, and John and I have talked about this off air before, that Inherently, some of the issues the Celtics have is that they don't have a traditional point guard who sets the offense up. But that's also the case in a, for a lot of teams across the NBA. The true pass, Mark Jackson, uh, John Stockton, Isaiah Thomas, like, we're going to move the ball and get guys. That, that Those guys are very, very few and far between in the NBA now. It is not really the way it operates. I think – I would be very open to bringing Chris Paul in if it's a, a not a big contract and, you know, if he's just looking for a chance to win. I think we could use some more veteran leadership. 
I would hope that he could, you know, kind of steal some of the resolve, even though he's not exactly been a great playoff performer. But I, I do think he has, he, he's well, well respected by teammates. The Celtics in general just need to change their offense. I agree Marcus Smart's not always getting the ball to people in the best circumstances, but too often the Celtics offense is either Tatum or Brown gets a ball at the top, nobody moves, they run a high screen that doesn't work, and we take a bad shot with five seconds on a shot clock. Like that is just – you watch the best teams playing right now, they don't really do those kind of things. Yeah. Yeah. So that'll segue us almost into the Nuggets – Heat series. We could just touch on that a little bit. Um, Can I ask you guys a Celtics-related, uh, like, large question? Yeah, please. Because you you just made me think of this when you mentioned championship windows being as tight as they are. Over the last twenty years in Boston sports, is it are the Celtics the most disappointing of the big four teams? Is they in the dynasty era? Yes. Yeah, they've had some- like you know. I mean, yeah, you think about. I mean, we look back on. You feel like Pierce and Garnett left one on the table, probably. Yeah, the you know? Garnett injuries sunk them yeah. for a couple of years there. I think they we thought they could have got another. I think particularly the yeah the the, the big three arrow definitely left two titles on the on the table. They could have realistically won three in a row. I think it's I think from a positive standpoint, it's great that they won their first year, got that out of the way. Because I you know because John, I agree with you. I think the '09 team was probably even better than the the, the, the team before that. They were another year together. Um, you know, they, I think they, they had a bunch of good role players that season, and then Garnett got hurt. But you know, you look at you look at dynasty, you look at teams like the Utah Jazz of the '90s and late '80s, and so many teams that came together didn't get a title at all. So I guess we're grateful for the for the one title. But yeah, I agree with you. I guess that's my point because the NBA is so hard to win when there's a when there's an epically good yeah. That team of the decade. I mean, did, did the Celtics get a pass, or do you look at that Garnett, that big three era? Plus, you know, we definitely left one on the table last year against the Warriors. Um, we're a franchise on the way up. I, we feel it feels like we gave them one more uh, on their way yeah. down. Um, it's just a, it's weird. I don't know. Sucks that yeah, I would say that that's probably true. That it's a it's a contest between the Bruins and the Celtics for sure, because the Bruins, you know, they blew it in the finals before and they've had some kind of, for being the best, the record, best record ever in the regular season and losing the first round. Like the Bruins may edge them out because Bruins of some of that. Cake, yeah. Def, Bruins definitely take the cake, but I, sorry, Pat, keep going. Sorry. No, that's all right. I, yeah. I just think the Bruins probably have some more like, humiliating things that kind of hang over them. Like they've blown some worse leads. Um, but the Celtics, I think that, you know, it's, it's amazing how much they've changed in the last 20 years, but still competed, but not been able to get over the hump. I mean, they've had so many different iterations of this team, right? It was the Garnett Pierce group. Then you've got, um, you have the Isaiah Thomas years and then in comes Gordon Hayward and Kyrie and Horford. And then it's the Jays. And, and it's like, that's a lot and jammed into 20 years with all kinds of Eastern conference finals and finals trips, et cetera, like lots of playoff wins, but they haven't, they've only gotten over the hump that one time, which feels strange. And it does feel like there's been missed opportunities. They lost to the heat in the bubble, which I think most of us thought they should have won. Yeah, they blew last year against the Warriors. Then this year they lose in seven games, and they put. So there's there's a lot of chances. I think it's because it's because our team was experiencing Le, the LeBron era. You know what I mean? We could get past LeBron. 
Yeah. Ultimately. Except for that one time. Yeah. Oh. Uh, leading in, leads us into the NBA Finals. We'll just talk about a little bit. I don't know how close you guys have been watching it. Um, the Nuggets took a 2-1 lead over the Heat last night. I will say I the Heat are just a team that doesn't die. You know, it's like I thought that I was like they fired all their bullets against the Celtics. These guys are going to just turn into pumpkins now. Like this is where um, it's over. And they won game two. Now, you know, they turned around and they, they made it close at the end yesterday, but they really got smacked around pretty good by by the by the Nuggets. What are you thought of the finals so far? Uh, if this is, you know, this is probably the first time a lot of people have watched Jokic day in, day out, kind of. What have you thought of the Jokic experience? Um, oh, just overall, what are we, how are we feeling about the finals? He's a pleasure to watch. I, I've, I've always thought that. I always lament that he's a West Coast guy and the games yeah. are on late because. I don't catch a lot of him during the regular season, so it's a pleasure to watch him in the playoffs and now the finals. And hats off to the Heat for stealing a game in Denver and giving us a series. And even though that game ended up a little lopsided at the end, I think it was a one-possession game at the half. They're giving us some moments that are um, enjoyable as as a basketball fan. And the way that uh, Spolstra has, has tried to keep them in these games and the way that the Nuggets have then adjusted have been it's been fun it's been more fun than I thought I would have watching it as somebody who was a bitter Celtics fan um so I, I hope it goes six or seven games last night was the first I agree last night was the first game I swallowed my pride and actually watched the watch the game uh I actually had some money on it 120 bucks on the uh Nuggets minus three and a half there you go uh Jokic is unbelievable it's it's like watching uh someone play volleyball or like water 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 pole like you're uh, like Amy was saying Pat yeah he's, like he's playing a different game he's truly a pleasure to watch um the Heat is scrappy the biggest telling stat about this Heat team is that I think they get out they get outscored in every single um uh quarter of the game except for the fourth quarter I don't know if you guys have seen that. Yeah, it's not something like that. They yeah. have the best they have the best fourth quarter scoring differential in the playoffs for sure. Which says a lot about this team because I think the thing that the Celtics are lacking and the thing that the 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 prognosticators, prognosticators are saying about the Nuggets if the Nuggets lose a series is that they might not be mentally ready. Where the Heat, although they lack a lot of talent, they're very mentally tough, led by Jimmy Butler, and then all these role guys that are just showing up big times, Gabe Vincent. Duncan Robinson, DTC. So, um, although I, although I do think that the Nuggets are going to pull away this series because I think that Heat needed that win that win last night. I think that uh, the game, the series will probably go. Uh, I don't know, five or six. Yeah, I was certainly. Yeah, I don't think it'll go. So allow me to rephrase. I think it'll go five, not six. I, I it think has to go five. It's two to one. Well, I don't think it'll go. Well, sorry, I don't think it will go six. Sorry, I think it'll end up okay. seven. Sorry. Yeah, I think the heater. I think that the heater are, are are done for. I think. I think that's. Um, I don't think they can win another game in Denver. I think that was one of those crazy where everything went right for them, and the Nuggets just missed some shots at a bad opportunity. And I think we see there's a bit of a gap. I, I would love. I hope the Celtics coaching staff is is taking a look at some of this film because they've turned the Nuggets have turned some of the role players for the Heat into non-factors. I mean, Caleb Martin is non-existent, really. He had an okay game last night, 
But the first two games, he had a combined, I think, six or seven points. Yeah, he had literally two, uh, the first two games, he had seven points. I heard that. I couldn't believe that. Useless, you know? Yeah. And and these are guys that killed the Celtics dead. Killed them dead. Oh, my God. Clutch shot after clutch shot. Kilmer had 26 points in game um, seven against us. He has 16 combined in the first three games. That's a total. That is a total coaching collapse. That is an inexcusable failure. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to Zach. What we said earlier about defense not losing us the series. Yeah. Defense did lose us that series. To give up points like that to him. I mean, it also speaks to sometimes guys just get hot. It's a make or miss league in some ways, right? Where it's oh, you know, guy throws everything in, but it, it's not. Kilmartin had 26 and 10 against us in Game Seven, and um. And 21 and uh, 15 in game six. It's like, how is this happening to the Celtics? But the Nuggets have done a nice job of saying we're not going to let Butler and Bam create easy shots for other guys. We're going to be more set on them kind of scoring themselves. We're not doubling off people, which I think the Celtics maybe learned it a little too late in that series. And also, man, I've been impressed with Jokic. He really is just, I think, the best player in the NBA I'm still I'm I'm continuously amazed at how much better and more enjoyable he is to watch than Joel Embiid, and it feels like unnecessary beating up on Embiid. But they've been so tied together the past couple of years as they competed for these MVPs, and so many people went online and claimed Embiid was so much better than Jokic. And you know you got Kendrick Perkins on ESPN and Histrionics if Embiid doesn't win the MVP. If you called up. 30, all 32 GMs and head coaches in the league, how many of them would take Embiid over Jokic? None of them. The the, the guys in Philly won and that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they would probably swap them happily. They wouldn't tell Embiid, but they'd do it in a fucking second. Yeah. You also, it's, it's also funny because uh, Jokic definitely seems um, like a quieter, like less superstar presence. That, that Embiid, and I think that's why Embiid gets extra hate because his personality is sort of unbearable. That comes with go. That comes with playing in Philly versus yeah. Denver, doesn't it? Yeah, um, I think no doubt about it. The bigger the market you are in, because people are always like, "Well, Jokic doesn't want to be a superstar." It's like maybe he doesn't, but he's also in Denver, where you're not really asked to be a superstar. If he played for the Knicks, people would be following you everywhere. Like, there's so much more pressure to have the camera on you at all times, big media stuff. Like you're going to be involved in a lot more things. There's more celebrity fans. There's just so much more that goes with it. And so I do give him beat a pass in some ways there where I always hate when people are like, ah, he doesn't want to be a superstar. Like you, you get the, if you play in Oklahoma city, yeah. Or whatever, Denver places like this, you usually sneak kind of under the radar. If you play in yeah. a big major market where people are rabid about it, then that's not really an option. If he had been drafted by the Lakers or the Knicks, like you said, he would have been on the on the cover of NBA 2K. He would have yeah. won the MVP. There would have been no two ways about it. Yeah, no, exactly. Well, it'll, it'll be interesting to watch the rest of these seri- this series. Maybe there's a um, assistant coach on the Nets, that, or excuse me, on the Nuggets that we can pull over to our side when it's over and give us some tips on how to break the zone. You guys, do you guys take any solace on the fact that uh, – sorry, but it's a, it's a useless – thing to even bring up, but I don't think the Celtics would have beat this Nuggets team anyways. No, it would have been hard. I, I think it would have been hard. The Celtics actually match up better with the Nuggets than um, the Heat do because we have more size to throw at Jokic. You know, you have 
Al, you have Grant, you have Rob Williams. They really only have Bam. In the minutes, they've got Kevin Love and uh, Tyler Zero, uh, excuse me, Cody Zeller on him. I mean, it's just, you know, it's it's severe beating of a high school janitor. Tyler, it's like, okay. Tyler Zero, I like that one. <laughs> well, I was, to, I was thinking of our old guy, Tyler Zeller. I confuse him and his brother so often. I'm like, wait, what the? Because they look exactly alike, except this guy's like bald and wearing a Phantom of the Mask, a Phantom of the Opera mask out there. <laughs> I don't know what happened to Tyler Zeller. <laughs> He's, uh, but I can't. I cannot believe that Cody Zeller is sometimes asked to cover Jokic. It's like literally one of the most unfair things of all time. It's like you might as well be like, all right, two of the three hosts to save from the podcast are going to sit on each other's shoulders and try to cover them. Like, all right, yeah, well, face me, move, shuffle your feet, shuffle your feet, hands up. Dude, you're, you're describing my entire freshman football career, dude. <laughs> like, playing the JV team uh, up at whatever whatever school that was. It's like, Doyle, can you get in and play no tackle? It's like, no. What, are you kidding me? Pat, how funny was it when they when they uh, rolled out Udonis Haslam the other night? <laughs> he, looked like he, was like a, he looked like an old man in a, in a basketball uniform. Yeah, it's like, are you, an old sure? Man. are you sure you're talking to me? <laughs> yeah. He's he was standing with his hands behind his back at the, the, the free throw line, like just casual, you know? It is amazing some of the guys the Heat have to play. And like, I, I, this is one of the all, even if they lose, you got to say it's one of the all time, like great runs. They're throwing guys like Struess out there for crazy amounts of minutes, freaking Zeller. I love uh, Kevin Love, who is beyond washed up, asking you Donis Haslam to give you a minute. <laughs> you know, Gabe Vincent, the 32. A guy named Haywood Highsmith was playing minutes against oh, us. He has, he and against like, us. Yeah, he, he was, was good. good. He was talking to Jalen Brown. I'm yes. like, God, man, that guy is make-believe. We, we, we chopped, a literal make-believe name. We chopped it – exactly, dude. We buried down. We chopped it down to 12, I think. Like I'll give you guys each 1,000 guesses on where he played college basketball. Liberty Liberty <laughs> University. Nope, not even close. <sighs> yeah, dude. He played, I, 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 called, he played in a place called Wheeling Jesuit. <laughs> it's a Division II school. No way. That also sounds like a made-up school. It does. Yeah, can we check his credentials? Yeah, like, if you were like, hey, man, we got to sneak this guy into the Little League tournament. All right, his name is uh, Haywood Highsmith, and he's from Wheeling Jesuit. If he was a, like, all right, well, I don't know, it's a little shaky, but maybe they won't check. Dude, if he was a defensive back in the in football, the Pages would draft him in, like, the fourth round. Yeah. No, first round. Yeah. They couldn't find any photos of him, just still photos of, of a guy in a cornerback's uniform. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, well, shame on us for losing to that team because that's rough. Yeah, I know. This guy literally like had a couple of really nice games against us. Fucking pickpocket and Jalen Brown. I don't know how he lives with himself this offseason. Jalen Brown, about to be the highest guy paid in the NBA, Christ's sake. Well, I, let's just keep our fingers crossed he uses that money to invest in a dribbling coach. Seriously. Oh, oh, by the way, somebody re-released, you know that video of him working out before the season underwater? And it was like, we, like, I take no days off. Like, some of us just train different. Someone's like, this guy, <laughs> this fucking guy's underwater fucking doing curls when he should have been learning how to dribble. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, what good is that doing? Are we ever going to play on a court that's submerged in water? Because if we are, well, we got him, boys. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> <Don't be fucked. laughs> 
Yeah, when global warming strikes and all courts are, you're up to your nipples in water. Well, Jalen Brown will be dominating. But until then, he's got the same issue, the ball bouncing off his foot yeah. four times a game. That's a great point. That's, that should be Missoula's first point of business is telling Brown, hey, man, stop hopping in the fucking water. Stay on land. Get out of the pool. Yeah. Get out of the pool. Party's over. I don't want to get too roped back into the Celtics, but I'll just say it really feels like Jalen Brown is a hardworking guy, but it's amazing that he's had the same dribbling issues forever. It's like I cannot for the life of me understand how I watch the Nuggets run pick and roll against the Heat. They don't ever get the ball stripped away from behind or bounce off their foot. And for us, it would be like Jalen at the top of the key. Grant sets the screen. Jalen around. Oop. Haywood Highsmith poked it away from behind. Oop. Max Struess poked it away from behind. Oop. Kyle Lowry stripped it. It's like, how does this keep happening? Routinely, dude. All right. Let's take a quick break. Come back with uh, toss-up. Welcome back to Save It for the Podcast and this week's toss-up. This week, uh, we've been inspired by a couple recent conversations that we've had, uh, a couple on-air, a couple off-air. Um, you know, one of the things that we love to complain the most about on this show is bad etiquette on airplanes. And we recently uh, talked about how uh, if you force a plane to divert or deplane because you are throwing a hissy fit, maybe there should be a creative punishment where you are no longer allowed to fly commercial anymore. Um, or what if you can fly, but you're forced to fly only in the cargo hold? Ooh, I like that even. But you see, this is what we're talking about. So we're talking about some creative, some uh, creative punishments for crimes. And then uh, Pat had mentioned off there one of the crazier like movie tropes that cracks us up is there are all these movies about um, people who get arrested for like nonviolent crimes and, and subsequently get put in charge of like youth sports teams. They're like, no, that's not, if I were a parent, I'd not be psyched about that. That's creative, but it doesn't really fit. You know, I don't know if I want some guy with like multiple DUIs, like as punishment, coaching my kid's hockey team. That doesn't really work for me. So uh, that's a long way. That's a long intro for saying this week, we're going to describe what is something that people do that absolutely drives you nuts or is, you know, some sort of small misdemeanor crime that you think we need a creative punishment for as a society. Uh, it's a great question. I love this one. I love the one about flying, being forced to suffer. Because I think people that ruin flights are the worst of the worst. And we're not talking, yeah, if somebody's a maniac and tries to, like, obviously they don't care. I'm talking people who, you know, the guy who flipped out of the baby we talked about when they had to fucking bring that back. Guys have, during the pandemic who wouldn't wear their masks or anything. Anybody who makes an unnecessary stink like that deserves the worst of the worst. So I was thinking another one of my pet peeves. Um, this is bad and dangerous drivers, people who like zip around threatening pedestrians or people on their bikes or other cars, whatever it is. People who are caught repeatedly violating not just road rules, but the normal etiquette of what we would expect for drivers. Those people should be banned from driving to work for however long it takes. They have to walk to wherever they're going. No buses, no trains, no bikes. You just have to walk wherever you're going for, I say, two months until you get the privilege <laughs> back of driving. And I think that would hopefully teach people a lesson of like, 
I've really fucked myself. Like I can't take an Uber. I can't do anything. I want to go to the bar. It's three miles away. I'm hoofing it. I want to get home. Nope. I can't get a ride. I'm hoofing it. And it's a severe punishment because people do lose their licenses, but they sort of kind of usually get people like, oh, you can drive during working hours or, you know, there are other alternative means. I think these people should be forced to really suffer, like really <laughs> suffer. And the only way that they like find it, they, they can go somewhere. They don't have to be in their house. You got to walk everywhere because those are the people least likely to walk, I would say, too. The people who drive like nuts. I, I like that. I, I I have a thought about this because it's on a list of uh, pet peeves for me as well. I think that drivers that like tailgate and zip in and out of different lanes of traffic, I don't think that they should lose their license. But I think that they're like if you get reported for doing that, which people can call in and, 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 and report you, um, if you get reported for doing that and found guilty of it, we should allow you to keep your license. But the ma- like the max amount of like miles per hour you're allowed to drive is reduced to 25. <laughs> and every time you get within five feet of somebody else's bumper, your car like screams, your car makes like an intolerable, like beeping sound, like, like that would force you to lose your mind if you had to hear it. I love it. Do you guys have any other, uh, any other ones you wanted to loft out there? I'm sure I do, but we can, if you have something else, throw it out there. No, I was just going to say before we wrapped it up, uh, we did get some good feedback on last episodes, things that uh, that make you impatient or whatever, annoy you in public, right? Yeah. I got a, a couple people who said um, grocery store lines and um, uh, grocery store lines specifically, and then people who don't know how to use the automatic checkout, but get in the automatic checkout line anyways. Oh, I could, that's a good one. Yeah. Always needing help. It's like, all right, sitting there like, hey. It's like, oh, come on, man. This is supposed to be faster. This is supposed to be for the people who know how to use it already. Yeah, like, you're kind of oh. not supposed to be in it if you don't know how to use it. Yeah, yeah. Those are well, good ones. Those were some uh, Those were some good ones from uh, – that was some good feedback from last episode. At least I think it was last episode. I'm losing track now. And um, I think those are a couple good ones for this week's. And we – I'm sure we'll get some – some good ones from the listeners this week. So please don't hesitate to reach out and give us your creative punishment that fits the social crime. Um, and we'll be right after we'll be back right after this with this week's loser of the week. Welcome back, everybody. It is time for loser of the week. Um, a lot of losers to sift through in the past, you know, uh, week and a half that we've been off. Who wants to start us off? Does somebody have one they really want to get going with? Do you want me to go with uh, what I've got? And we can, because I yeah. think we might have a larger discussion. I was going to piggyback off yours. Yeah, that's fine. Um, or, Dole, do you want to start and we finish with mine? Why don't we, uh, why don't we do mine? Because mine's quick. Yeah, that works. And then we can really dive into uh, what you've Perfect. got. Um, my loser of the week is a airline is a young airline designer who is trying pushing really hard at a uh, recent international airline convention where they demonstrate new air travel technology and thing like things like that he's trying to reinvent the way that cabin capacity and comfort is imagined by reintroducing like the idea it's an older idea that never really took off a double decker seating and they've released a bunch of photos of what this would look like and 
I've already showed you gentlemen one or two of the photos of it, but this is a fucking nightmare. If you have any kind, if you're like claustrophobic at all, um, basically there's two there. You have two seats that would be like regular plane seats. And then above you sort of like on top laddered above you, there would be um, another row of seats that someone would, would get into from in front of you and walk up a couple steps of a ladder or like a, a, a small stepping stool thing. And they would sit basically with their ass right at face level. This is a nightmare for God forbid you're claustrophobic yeah. or anything yeah. like that. These people look like they are cramped in there like sardines. Now the designer of this concept is saying that taller people would have more room sitting on this lower level, but it's impossible not to look at the design and the layout of this this uh, new uh, seating arrangement and not feel like we live in some sort of hellish nightmare because I can't imagine getting onto an airplane and watching two other like decent sized adult men like climb on top of where I was sitting for a long international flight. I just it sounds it like literally sounds like hell. I'm already claustrophobic on a standard uh, airplane the way it's set up now. I can't I can't imagine. Yeah, being either either facing having a someone on top of me or me being on top of someone. I so it's funny. As I've gotten older, I can't I can't get over bunk beds. Like I can't believe I grew up with a with a, someone uh, having a bed on top of me. To be honest with you, I mean yeah. I know it to me it's such a crazy concept. Someone sleeping on top of me. Um, but now imagine yeah, if it were it, a stranger. It sounds awful. You know? It sounds like a nightmare. I, John, I saw it's funny. I thought you were bringing that up because I saw the same. I was looking at it. And I, I just figured it was a way to save space and just put more people on the plane. Um, I mean, I guess it is good for, I know a lot of tall people, it's a nightmare for people to fly that are really tall. Um, so that would be the one benefit of this thing, right? Like if you did sit on the bottom row, you can like completely stretch your legs out, which would be nice. Like, you know, Dole, you were both a little taller. It's like, it'd be not, if you're like six feet, it's like pretty cramped on an airplane. But it just feels so freaking weird because it feels like they're just trying to jam as many people as possible into it. Like it feels – like being yeah. able to stretch your legs out is awesome, but it feels like you're like in a chest of draws almost there. <laughs> like tucked in underneath it, and it's like, how do I get out yeah, again? It's like a, it's like a, it's like a it's like Tetris or something. Yeah, it's just a little it, – it's weird, and it's like – I mean the truth is airlines will do anything they can to make money off us. We'll be we'll, – we're lucky they don't have a Sydney Joe's laps. Like you, you're like, oh yeah, you're not that big. You got to sit in each other's laps. Like that's the way it goes. So I don't know this. It feels like this guy is really forcing an idea that's not feasible at all. It's impossible to look at the photos that they, that they've attached to this idea and not imagine that you can very much smell the person sitting directly. Yeah. They're asking. The back of their seat is like in your face yeah. instead of where your knees go. It's like it's like up right in your in your face. It's weird. Yeah. And you know who will hate this idea is people that stand up on the airplane as soon as it lands. Oh yeah. <laughs> this is a, it's a weird weird idea. Even, even worse is what if they start alienating people like me? They're like, wait, you're five seven. Stick your ass up top there. Dude, you want to be short. You want to be the guy on the top bunk. You don't want to be weaseling yeah. in underneath somebody. I don't know. I wouldn't mind being on the bottom in some ways because you can't stretch out. The top doesn't seem to offer you, like, any benefit besides, 
I guess you, you, you like, what, there's a bump in the thing. Your head is like inches away from the top of the fucking cabin. Bonk, like right off the ceiling again and again. Yeah, so are these plates? It off to be the high ground, Pat. Are the these plates are going to be a lot higher? Like the ceiling's going to be a lot higher, I guess? The idea? I, I mean, I think that's probably this guy's issue. Why nobody's buying it? Because you like, how does this really practically work? Yeah. They cut holes in the overhead yeah. so you can stick your head yeah, for the like, top. Yeah, that's good. That's a good one. <laughs> um, yeah, that is a good one. And uh, let, let us pray. We just flying's bad enough as is. Can we just let us suffer in the normal seats? <laughs> let us suffer our normal. Yeah, suffrage. like we'll just stick with the regular pain and misery that we have. <laughs> um. All right, my loser of the week, and one that we I think we can dive in a little bit is uh, Jay Moynihan, who is the like commissioner of the PGA Tour. You know, the, the he's the the guy who runs the whole thing. The PGA Tour announced just the other day that they are or announced together with the Live Tour that they are merging. There will be a merger between the two. Um, this comes as quite a surprise because there had been a lot of vitriol back and forth. Uh, Liv was suing the PGA for blocking their players from participating in events for essentially operating as monopoly. Moynihan famously had come out and really torn into the Liv tour, talking about how um, you know he felt sorry for the families of 9/11 and really evoking some heavy stuff when the tour originally came out you know it it um there's no other way to say it he he looks like an absolute fool you know a beyond a fool to say the nasty things that he had said previously about the live tour particularly invoking 9/11 and then now having to come out and defend a big business deal where they're going to be working together, where a ton of investment is coming to the PGA Tour from the backers of the Live Tour is just embarrassing. His players are furious, obviously, because a bunch of them got offered massive money to go to the Live. They said no. They stayed with the PGA Tour. Now those guys that left got all the money and are going to be right back in the PGA Tour just the same as anyways. And they all stuck up, stood up for the PGA Tour and Moynihan saying like, you know, this is crap. This tour doesn't, isn't, you know, whatever, Roy McElroy and Tiger, et cetera. And this guy just goes, okay, I'll, whatever. This is now good when uh, I can get money from it. So that's that. He's been ripped by his own players, ripped by the 9-11 Families United group, uh, all kinds of people. And he deserves it all. He is a classic case of a loser. Somebody who doesn't care about what he actually said, never meant it when he said it. And really what he should have said is, all I care about is making a buck. Whatever will make me a buck is what I will do. I'm there to make a buck. Yeah. Also, so so disappointing, but so not surprising when the, o- the, the only thing that you had ever heard about the PGA Tours you know, the way that they doled out their winnings is that they were notoriously stingy with the players anyways. It has always just been about making a buck. And the players that did leave, regardless of what you want to say about that decision at the time, which I totally understand wanting to to say that it was a bad, it was a bad decision to go to the Live Tour. The players, a lot of the players that left said, the PGA Tour isn't paying us enough. 
You know, like this guy is the, the, the PGA has always been about keeping the people that run the PGA as wealthy as possible. So, of course, they they just absolutely bent the knee and, and are absolute scumbags. Specifically, this guy, uh, Jay Moynihan. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're just dirt. They're truly dirtbags. And I don't know how you would feel if you were a player on the tour. Well, actually, no, I do know how. You feel absolutely furious. You'd say, we, w- what the fuck is the point of this? So this PG, so the PGA America or PGA Tour is now pretty much owned by the Saudis. Is this correct? No, no, it's not. It's they, they are investing in the tour. So they'll have some stake, I'm sure. But there's like a merger of some sorts where they're going to be working together and they're providing some investment capital, um, you know, to the tour. So it is, I think, remains to be seen exactly how it's it's going to shake out. But it yeah. is not um, – they're certainly – they're working hand-in-hand hand now versus obviously being adversarial. I also think it's – it's the, the players that stayed, I mean, talk about being stabbed in the back. How would you feel watching these guys who made all that money walk back onto the tour after – a big component of what a lot of the guys who turned the money down, a big component of that was because of the way that the PGA brass spun what they were really fighting for and that this was the only legitimate league and that this other, this other live was mercenary stuff. I would be so pissed if I were Rory McIlroy and I had to walk onto the next major event and see, you know, see all, see everybody back. No, it's it's like I don't know. I can't imagine. It's like standing up for what's right and thinking you're doing the right thing, and then the person that was supposed to have your back invites everybody else back to the party. Yep. You know, it's like you say that this person has committed this party foul and they should be banned, and it's the right thing to do. Every the guy who owns the house says you're right. We'll kick him out, and then he ends up. You know, he <laughs> he has. Uh, you know, the guys that got kicked out have all the beer, so they're getting back in for free. You know, it's like. You know, just trying to think of it, and it, I'd just be so freaking livid. I can't even imagine. Yeah, yeah you know, he's going to be. He has to be let go, right? This is a this is a death a death stroke for him. You think or what? I would assume he's he's let go, but also he's probably made a ton of money for the people involved in running it, and sort of like the Roger Goodell thing, where you make all kinds of mistakes, you goof shit up repeatedly but you somehow still get paid a shitload of money and they keep you around because really it doesn't matter what a jackass you are, how much you lie, how many bad things you do. If in the end, other people's pockets are filled. That's all they care about in the end, plain and simple. Doesn't matter who, what, how bad a guy or whatever, what it, you know, how, how foolish you look. I mean, Goodell's had so many calamities on his hands. And the matter yeah. just keeps getting re-brought back again and again, where anybody in any regular job would be chicken. Yeah. Well, the deal is the, yeah. the deal is still pending, I, I believe, right? It's going to go through though, unless unless somehow the government stops it, because it, it's a I don't know. Yeah, I'll tell you what. You know, yeah, he, he wouldn't have he wouldn't have he wouldn't have done it if he thought there was a chance it wouldn't have passed this final member vote or whatever it has to yeah. pass. He knows what a shitstorm this is. Uh, yeah, well, well, it'll be interesting to see how this shakes out. I, I would like to think if everything was right, Moynihan would lose his job, but um, unlikely, I would say. Yeah. 
Does it, is it going to change the way you watch golf? No, because I heard there's still going to be the live tour. So I'm not like, you know, I like the majors in golf and I'll check in here and there. I'm not a rabid golf fan. So I, I think it'll still kind of be as is for me. And that's where they get lucky. Like, I think a lot of fans are more, you know, check in golf fans than they are rabid fans. If you'd be, if you're super invested in golf, you're probably, you know, really curious about what's happening. You have really strong opinions. We're all more. You know, check in here and there, a few tournaments a year, bet some stuff. You know, so but so I it, I don't think it'll change that much for me, though I certainly have a worse feeling about the PGA Tour in general. Yeah, just because I the hypocrisy. If we like, if somebody does something that's not that great, whether I don't know, you think they should party partner partner with the Saudis or not? I I don't. It is what it is. But just to do the histrionics and then go back and do it makes you look so bad. Well, it makes you look like a crackhead. Yeah, if you just did it in the first place, it'd be what it is what it is. People would have been over it. Now, to your point, Dole, you look like a guy who didn't actually have a moral stance, but you just wanted to make be a crybaby and be a bitch about it. Oh yeah, I mean, what it's what it, what it reeks up to me is somebody who was when the live tour started was panicked because he thought he was losing his slice of the yep. pie. That's all it feels like now is that somebody panicked and was mudslinging because he felt like he was going to be overmatched. Uh, by a group of investors that wanted to get into golf have way more money. He thought that, you know, he was going to be exposed for and have to pay the players more or possibly lose this legal battle with Liv. And now it's clear that he was just always a piece of garbage. I hate it. Bingo. Um, What else have we got going on this week? Uh, That covers us for loser of the week. What are we watching this week? We've got – Obviously, the finals to check in on. We'll do some check-ins on the Sox in a little while. They're just treading water now. I mean, good riddance to bad company. Yeah, Red Sox are awful. They're so bad. Awful, 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 an unwatchable mess. Did um, You can't even name half the guys in the freaking lineup. How was that game you guys went to the other day, last this past Monday? Blissfully short. <laughs> At least, I thought it was a good game. Yeah. The Sox, I mean, it was, it was like, funny because it was like the antithesis of how they usually play. They made two incredible catches, which they never do. They usually drop routine pop-ups, uh, but they couldn't hit for shit. They got one run. Yeah. yeah, the game I went to, I couldn't tell you one thing that happened. And I was like, literally, <laughs> I think I think Yoshida had a home run. That was about it. So, <laughs> no. Uh, I mean, they're 500. They're not horrible. They just, I mean. They're going the wrong yeah. way. They're going to probably end up 500. So it's like, how do you get excited about a team that's 81 and 81 or whatever? I don't know. Well, how many games did you project them to win this year, Mark? 85? I projected them for 100 losses. So I'm still hoping I can be right. You can. <laughs> I could be. They can go 30 and 70 the rest of the way or something like that. I'm sorry. You guys are just going to be forced to. to Pay, att- pay half attention to a middling 500 baseball team all season. There's a fate worse than death. If they You'd rather them be horrible? Yes, there'd be, there's some humor in that. You know, there's like, ah, we could trade all these guys. We could do this. We could do that. Still- I, I, I wish I wish I believed for one second because they were the worst team in baseball last year. And you, you guys still didn't want to talk about them because they were so shit. Now they're going to be 500. And you're gonna be like, oh, it's unwatchable. I'd rather than that. that bad of a record last year. Did they What they huh? finish at last year? They did, were not the worst team in baseball, but they were. They were hard. terrible, but they still they won like 78 games or something like that. I'm talking lose 100 plus games. Well, that's never gonna well, happen. Well, man can dream. 
Oh yeah, I mean, well, that'll open us up to do some real MLB. Uh, that's what we need. Yeah, we get the number Seriously. one pick. Let's break down the outfield for you know Florida State or whatever. <laughs> we got the we got the Belmont Stakes this weekend. A little horse race, oh, racing. I, action. I mean, I never really. I always lose every single horse bet I make, but you can always make another one. And uh, Pat's uh, celebrating his birthday. Pat's birthday was Tuesday. Yep. Celebrating his birthday Happy this Friday. Related, Pat. Uh, anybody who listens who is, is not coming yep. or doesn't know about it yet that we forgot to yep. tell, uh, tell one of us about it. We're going to go out for beers. Yep, that'll be good. And a huge day for me on Saturday. Man City plays Inter Milan in the Champions League final. So that is the biggest soccer match of the year, maybe besides the World Cup. But the most prestigious trophy in soccer is up for grabs. My Manchester City citizens could claim it on Saturday at 3 p.m. If you are looking for other sports to watch and you're like, fuck, I can't believe the socks are so boring. Um, I Soccer is definitely for you. No, I mean, you it's certainly, they're just, this will feel, I wouldn't suggest a random soccer. Like, I don't go watch the revolution. But the stakes are so high in this that, it will feel like a very, very big deal because it is a very, very big deal. So, yeah, how about um? If it, sorry, but how about Messi coming to Miami? Coming to the coming to the yeah, kind of crazy. It'll be interesting to see what that does for MLS. Yeah. This is like the best week in sports history for uh, people from Florida. You got the Heat in the finals, the Florida Panthers, Messi. Yeah. It was a great day to be a Florida. And the uh, Jags are unveiling some like new stadium they're going to build. Everything's coming up, Florida. Besides DeSantis and all that, but you no. Know, the Rays are like the best team in the yeah. world. I mean, everybody's killing it down there. It's yeah, crazy. that's right. The Rays gave us a pants in. <laughs> um, all right, folks. Until next week, save it for the podcast. <laughs>